and and I said this thing, and I'm like three or four. I'm like, what are you looking at? Go get your own TV. <laughs> Something really mean, right? It was like, and in Chinese, and and it was so out of character. It was like what I was. I was just copying how the adults mm-hmm. were being. And there was this little tiny voice. It was a voice, and it completely was inside my chest. And it was it was warm. It was angelic, I guess. It was warm because it was so familiar, and and I felt love. And it goes, why did you do that? It was like talking to me, and I go. I don't know. <laughs> and I, was t- I was having this conversation, you know, and I'm this little baby. And then she goes, don't forget who you are. And I, and I start crying. I was like, I did. I forgot. I already forgot who I was. I already forgot. And, and she goes, go and apologize to him. And I go, okay. And I went and I, I told little boy, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that to you. Please come and watch TV anytime you want. That wasn't me. I was trying to, like, there was a distinct difference between who I was, mm-hmm. right? Like, who I was born to be, and then the different ways that I started to not be This is Unconditioning. Discovering the Voice Within. With Whitney Ann Jenkins. And welcome to the ninth episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about their inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. On this week's episode, I have with me Sue Ann Pian, who is an actress and a filmmaker based in Los Angeles. She is starring as a series regular on the new Jason Caddams Amazon series On the Spectrum, and she plays a woman who is living on the spectrum, in the autism spectrum, and Sue Ann herself actually is on the autism spectrum, and so she's very open about sharing that and her perspectives of what it was like for her growing up with autism, and her perspectives of that and how she's even now currently navigating her life with autism and within the entertainment industry, and... She has a couple of other projects that coming up that she's not allowed to talk about yet, but she's also one of the Mars One finalists, so she's super passionate about space, and especially Mars, and she is a karaoke fiend, and I know this firsthand because I have been karaokeing with Sue Ann Pien, and it is an intense and super fabulous fun experience. I'll just say that. If you listened to last week's episode, then you know that Cynthia Catania is Sue Ann's partner in business, but also in life. They're married. And so it might be fun to listen to these two episodes back to back to see the fascinating qualities that both of these individuals bring individually. And so then you can imagine what they bring together. And I can speak from experience because... As I mentioned in the previous episode, Cynthia and Sue Ann were my housemates for a while. And so I got a peek into their lives uh, behind the curtains a little bit, including Sue Ann's newfound passion for cooking. So I'm really excited for you to meet Sue Ann Pien. Hello. Hello. How are you? (laughs) I'm pretty good. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> I'm good. I'm dressed like a big orange clown. <laughs> I like it. It suits you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I like your headphones. Oh, thank you. Oh. Is um, we are up in Big Bear right now. Oh. So we just spent the yeah, we spent the day in the snow, and we're gonna like hike around and just explore. That's exciting. How are you? How have you been? It's been so I've, long. I've been good. I'm you know chugging along. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, As yeah, yeah. you probably are too, I imagine. 
I mean, like, <laughs> it's it's been it's been a challenge to be creative in this like down period of the coronavirus, and so, you know, everything is like even even getting away for a trip. You know, I'm used to going to like Disneyland like every week, and <laughs> it's just just my normal uh, routine has been disrupted. So, you know, it just looked kind of fun to like do something you know like there's snow there's a, i'm sure you're someplace where there's snow right yeah, we went to yeah there is snow we have a tiny cabin that's so cute <laughs> yeah isn't it cute it's so cute uh, <laughs> it's a little tiny cabin <laughs> and it had like a gas stove and just it's so in a little hot tub that's amazing <laughs> yeah it was perfect it was very um scandinavian it reminded me of when i went to norway and like all the Scandinavian people would like go out into the mountains for like winter time and how fun that was. So yeah. I should show you town. It's like <laughs> and then the town's like right here. There's like Christmas lights still. I was like, this is amazing. It, you know, it's like I've had to find different ways to just yeah. I don't know, clear my head, get fresh air. Yeah, so the pandemic, you feel that it's kind of, do you feel like your creativity is kind of stifled or are you finding new ways to access it? Well, you know, you saw one of the newer ways that I started <laughs> doing that was like cooking, right. right? I was like, oh my goodness, look at me cook. <laughs> it was just such a, di yeah. So, you know, surprisingly, like we've been doing fun things actually, Cynthia and I, because production's on hold, so I don't, I don't shoot for a little bit, but I'm, you know, like, the different ways to be kind of busy. Cynthia and I are making music videos for her songs and we have another one coming up and, you know, it's just finding ways to do it safely. We have, you know, where you don't have to include like a huge, huge uh, production mm -hmm. team or something. So that's really exciting. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What so one of the first things that I like to ask people is when is the first moment that you remember realizing that you had your own individual thoughts and your voice of your own that wasn't influenced by the environment around you or what people were telling you, but it was like completely your own unique. Oh, oh, I think I was like born with mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. I think I was, um, uh, I remember being like, I mean, I had, I was one of those, I mean, I've wrote this about a lot of like kids on the spectrum is that we we have these phenomenal elephant memories and I'm, I'm no different. Like I could remember being in the crib and watching my mom and dad play together. And I was in the crib watching them. And I remember what they did with their hands. And I remember when I got old enough to like speak to my mom and tell her about it, she was like, oh my God, like <laughs> blown away, you know, blown away that I actually, uh, ha you know, and I remember looking at, they had this little like, you know, the little like things they put in top of the baby cribs that spins and has color and makes noises. I had one of those with like, you know, little blue, red, yellow mm -hmm. colors. I remember that. I remember I was in the crib looking at that thing. And here's the crazy part. This is like before I could speak, <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like in the bed with my mom and dad. Sometimes they'd like put me in there to sleep with them. And I'm, I'm literally like probably, I don't know how old I am. I can't talk. I can't move. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm like a lump <laughs> of a baby. And there was this spider and it was like up in the corner and this spider would like crawl down at night and bite me. And I got so, and I would cry and my parents couldn't figure out why I was crying. And I remember being frustrated that I couldn't talk or communicate to them that there is a spider. He bit me, <laughs> you know? And so these are my earliest, like I've had, I have 
I I even have weird weird memories going back to before. Like I, I think it was like remember it, this is really weird. This is like my mom was in a hospital and I was like following her as she was like getting rolled in. I probably wasn't being born. I like she was about mm. to give birth to me and I remember like walking through like <laughs> one of the walls and the doors. Like I didn't need to like you know like the nurse was like opening the door for herself and I would like walk right through the door with her. <laughs> I have that memory. How crazy is that? That's wild, wow. right? So you were watching the whole process. Of- yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I like, uh, and even, you know, I mean, I just, I was a, I was a strange, odd little one. Um, just because I knew the way that I was experiencing the world. I remember even like being on a swing. I don't think I, t- I talked much actually. Um, and nobody really noticed because partly I was like, you know, uh, I was raised in Taiwan from t- the time I was like three years old on. And then, and so it was like, they just thought maybe I just didn't know mm-hmm. the language. And then when I did start speaking, I uh, I was hyperlexic. So I could read like super fast and like I got like like the principal award for like, you know, uh, most most improved student of the year. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was this, um, I remember this little kid, I was swinging next to him and I was like sitting there looking at him and I was probably like two years old or so. And I remember thinking, I wonder if he thinks thoughts in his head because I was thinking thoughts in my head. And then I was thinking like, like I was just, rem- I just like was curious mm-hmm. about like what his thought process, like what that little, he was like so different from yeah. me, you know? And, um, and I remember having those thoughts from a very young age, like two, two years old, three years old, um, being very aware of myself, being aware when my body didn't work the way I wanted to and how frustrating that was. Because I was very clumsy, you know, and I think that's typical of mm-hmm. kids. Um, with Asperger's, they don't call that anymore. It's just all autism spectrum disorder. But I remember being like, you know, three years old, four, and I just couldn't, like, I would, like, take a few steps and take a tumble, you know? And I was so mad because <laughs> the body just was not, it wasn't working the way I wanted it wasn't it cooperating to, with you. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't cooperating with me. And my brain was like very different. I was very aware, mm-hmm. you know, and I always felt very, you know, I like, I ha- I was a little being. I am very aware of myself as a separate yeah. being. So. And mm-hmm. so do you remember the difference in environment and energy when you left Taiwan to come to the U.S.? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, that whole period was very strange. I mean, I always felt very like, out, like, I was, I, I distinctly remember, <laughs> I have these memories where I didn't play with kids. I played on the outskirts mm-hmm. and from a young age. So I would like walk around from group to group. And then I remember like, <laughs> like I was young enough that like I was, I would still like pee my pants every once in a while. And I had this, it's so bad. I shouldn't even <laughs> say this, but I remember. I remember being in the back seat, and I knew better. I knew I wasn't supposed to, like, just pee. I was supposed to, like, you know, tell my mom. But it was after, like, a long day. They were at their friends' houses, and I was just, like, toddling around. I would toddle from group to group. And it was strange because I would, I would make sure they were all right first. I had this weird thing. I don't know what it was. And if I thought that that group of kids were all right, then I would get up and move to another group of kids <laughs> and then make sure they were okay. But I didn't have any interaction with them. So I would just, like, sit there with them. And I, it was strange. And so I remember being in the back seat, and I was like, hmm, I have to pee. And I'm probably like two or three years old. <laughs> and then um, and then I was like, I'll just pee right here. <laughs> and I just like, 
I like made a very conscious choice like just you know what I I definitely I had a similar experience I think in preschool and I I was too scared to ask the teacher if I could go to the bathroom so I was just like "Uh, I might as well (laughs) might as well just pee yeah I can relate to that that's so funny yeah (laughs) yeah isn't it great like you know it's not much difference when you're older too because you're like oh I shouldn't do this you know what I mean you're just like I'll just have that back to it <laughs> yeah. <It's... laughs> so, I don't know. That, that probably wasn't the question you asked. You asked, let me answer the question you did ask. Oh, the difference. Right. Yeah, Taiwan was very strange. It was very different. But it was interesting because I think I was always like hyper observant and aware as a kid. So, I, I just was able to like take everything in, you know. Um, and then it was very, it was a very different experience to be with my dad's family mm-hmm. and, and then to come back and have my mom raise me because she, they were just one, very different personality mm-hmm. types. And then two, it was very different to like adjust to like how different my mom was with me than my dad's family. And, you know, like I was raised by help for a little bit out there too. And that was a very different experience to be raised by people that didn't really own you, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know? Yeah, I think when you're it's kind of like an open book and you just like absorb and take in life. You know, it's like all of this just becomes mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Life memories. I have incredible memories though. Like I, they're like so vivid. I can recall so much, so much strangeness, <laughs> <laughs> interesting little like details. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. did you realize that your voice was much different than everyone else's around you? Oh, yes. From a very young age, this thing happened, right? I was I was in Taiwan. And at this time, I was being raised by um, like the family help. Um, and so I was living and we just got like a color TV. I don't remember if my aunt bought, bought them a color TV or something, right? And it was kind of a big deal. because This was like in the boondocks of Taiwan out in the countryside. Where I think, you know, a lot of people were, were poor, they, they just weren't, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of means. And I remember, you know, it was this like concrete hut. It was a strange place. It had like bars on it. And the neighbor boy, he would come to the window and look through that little window with the concrete bar into our little home to try to watch our color TV. And I was a little kid. And, you know, I was like probably three years old or so and three or four and I walk over to him one day and I'm just like mean and I don't know why it's and it wasn't me it was like maybe the people I was around or what I was witnessing because that was the other thing I, I grew up you know also with a lot of privilege and so I noticed the differences between how people treated people with wealth and mm. not wealth and power and and I said this thing and I'm like three or four I'm like what are you looking at go get your own tv <laughs> something really mean right it was like and in Chinese and and it was so out of character. It was like what I was I was just copying how the adults mm-hmm. were being. And then you know, and there was this little tiny voice. It was a voice, and it, it completely was inside my chest. And it was it was warm. It was angelic, I guess. It was warm because it was so familiar, and and I felt love. And it goes, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. It was like talking to me, and I go. I don't know. <laughs> and I was, ta- I was having this conversation, you know, and I'm this little baby. And then she goes, don't forget who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and she goes, and I, and I start crying. I was like, I did. I forgot. I already forgot who I was. I already forgot. 
and and she goes go and apologize to him and that's the little voice in my you know in my chest and I go okay and I went and and, and I I told the little boy I'm so sorry I don't know why I said that to you please come and watch TV anytime you want that wasn't me I was trying to like there was a distinct difference between who I mm-hmm. was right like who I was born to be and then the different ways that I started to not yeah be that. you were absorbing but, your environment and and yeah, yeah maybe in a super empathetic yeah. way yeah oh yeah yeah so that was that was a very noticeable like ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a different experience of life than other people yeah d- did that voice that you heard follow you through your life um yeah i think you know i think i think we all reach a certain point right like as kids like it, it, it becomes like lonelier, you know, I definitely experienced a lot of like hardship early on in my life um, and throughout my teenage years. And I think there was a point where I just, I was, I was checked out and unable to really, it, it was just too much. Life, life got too much for me to handle, you know? And, and I feel like sometimes maybe those voices it came in it came in the form of like a kind person Mm -hmm. that i didn't expect right like we have like these people in our lives that there's no other way to call them except that they're angelic you know they were like they do something that was like or they're given a message that's just so poignant and much needed Mm -hmm. in those moments divine timing oh yeah for sure or a book or something i'll read or you know i remember yeah, my dad giving me my first, like, he was always very spiritual and strange, even though he was an engineer, right? An aerospace engineer. He's very scientific and his mind worked that way. But he gave me his, my first, like, Emmanuel's books that were so beautiful. They just brought me so much hope in a time where I, I was atheist. It's like, he took me to go see, like, the Dalai Lama. Oh, wow. And I was like, what is this? He's speaking Tibetan. I don't understand him. <laughs> yeah. But my dad was really into that, actually. Just strange now that I think about it. You know, for somebody who, who is, like, an aerospace engineer, he had such an interest in, um, maybe because he had to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe because he lost some family members and changed, changed you know, his ideas about spiritual life and all that but he he gave me my first books Emmanuel's book is one of my favorites and yeah so he was he was someone who really like put me on a path of of spiritual like discovery and I didn't know it at the time because I was like such an angry little teenager but he gave me my first um conversation with God books with Neil Neil Donald Walsh Mm -hmm. and that was life-changing after my near-death experience it was it was the closest thing I could find and read that related to this idea of unconditional love that I actually experienced. And, and I was an atheist. I had no idea that after death there was so much, so so much more reality. Like it was, I don't even have the words to, to talk about that, you know. And mm-hmm. and so I didn't even know people had near death experiences. And when I began to kind of dive in, I started to read in the New Age sections about like authors like Raymond Moody, Life After Life, um, even the, you know, Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss, he mm-hmm. writes about hypnotizing people and they would go into the time before their lives. And mm-hmm. I could just, I was like, wow. So I was relating to a whole different spiritual world that always felt true and real for me personally, mm-hmm. but not in a religious sense, right? Yeah. And, um, and suddenly there's like, yeah 
Yeah, I think there's something different about like searching for something and then having something happen to you and then you do research to figure out what that was. Right. Because I had to catch up to it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have the information in my brain. It was like suddenly I was like speaking Italian, but I didn't, you know, understand what the words (laughs) meant and I had to go back and, you know what I mean? It was like I was fluent Mm -hmm. in this other spiritual world. I was completely fluent in it. And then I had to go back and, and, you know, teach my brain what it was that like to to even describe it or talk about it. (laughs) Because my brain was like, what is this stuff that we just went through? It was amazing. Definitely. And that your near-death experience happened when you were 18, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a very transformational time anyway. Oh, God. It was, yeah, it was a reset, but it was fantastic. (laughs) I mean, it, it was absolute proof that there was something greater than myself that had always been there watching over me. And it was just my journey. It was like, you know what? I set up my life that way. There was no accidents. I remember, I still remember, I was like, oh, shoot. I set it up so hard in the beginning. <laughs> like those 18 <laughs> years were like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that experience um, led you to to find acting and how that could be an expression of yourself? It's funny you say that. I, I think what it actually gave me permission to do was to dive in and explore life as if there were no limits because that's what I remembered it was like you can do no wrong you know that that we're all going to hit that end point right that's Mm -hmm. the two things you can yeah you're born and you're guaranteed to die and whatever you want to do in between that like I remember this passion and excitement you got to go for it you got to absolutely go for it um and it's possible, any of it, all of it is possible. And that's what I remember I took back. And, and that's probably why I wasn't, you know, I wasn't very discouraged. I wanted to act. I loved acting. I loved the joy and exploration of that. It was a safe way for me to like temper. I have, I came back with so much energy, you know, and, and um, I needed to find an arena where I could like express myself because and wear myself out basically because I had so much energy for life suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, and that was one thing. It was like, yeah, why not? I'm going to act. Even if everyone around me is like, that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You can't make a living that way. Blah, 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 blah. Like everything, you know, <laughs> I, I would like, I would have like this audition. It'd be like, it would be, it'd be a network pilot audition. And, you know, and my mom doesn't know anything about like that world, the way that, you know, you do when you are constantly auditioning and, and doing that, you know, going, going on and so I told her I made the mistake of like calling her in my excitement right I, I thought oh this is such a big deal I have a network pilot audition <laughs> I was like mom mom and she goes here's her response she goes so it's not a booking <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> deflated I just took the, like oh my god I was like and I learned never to call my parents mm. before I had big things because they're gonna just take it out of me yes yes so so did you have if since your parents weren't necessarily supportive of that you had to really believe in yourself to be able to keep that going um did you have anyone else in your life encouraging you to follow that path yes definitely i mean i always think about like some of my like my first agents and it's funny you know like people people like step in and take over and they're they're kind of like um 
they, they like fill in the spots that were missed by our own parents, <laughs> yeah. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've had agents that I felt loved uh, like I was their kid and they're my parent and my mom. Like it's been incredible. I, I'm still, still so grateful, you know, for like Gina's one of them I can think of. My first, um, my first agent was so awesome because she was just, she, she was like on my team. Like she got what I wanted to do and she believed in me. And you got to remember, like I started at a time where there wasn't, Asian people didn't really get leads. The only Asian person, it was like Lucy Liu made it. And it was like, holy cow. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I went into this agency and my first agent was like, oh, I don't know. There's not a lot of breakdowns for Asian people. Right. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and she's like, let's just give this a go. We'll see. You know, she just like liked me in the interview. And I go out and I book my first audition and become wow. Taft Harley into SAG. Yeah. And it was a national. I had no idea how much money actors made, by the way. I had no idea that I like I got the session fee. I was like, oh, I was still at UCLA at the time. I was like, oh, this is great. I got 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then the royalties rolled in and you're like, oh my God. It was like, you know, you could buy a car royalty. And, mm. you know, and you hear those were the days where people, you know, you could put a down payment on a house. So, so it really changed my trajectory in a very fun and creative way where I was like, I can explore and play this character and do that. And, there was freedom. There was so much freedom. And I don't come from that. Not in my culture either, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Chinese and the Chinese are not known to enter the artistic realms of life as, you know, as a way to make a living. Yeah. And that's what actually what happened with my mom. I mean, my mom was like spectacular. Oh, wait, I should, I, I should say I booked my second audition. She booked the first. And she grew up on movie sets. She grew up, she had a, like a cousin who was a Hong Kong movie star. Hmm. yeah and so she got to like be on set and she was um and directors would see her and they'd be like oh my god you're so pretty you should act come in and my grandfather was like hell no because their family was political Mm. and so that was like really looked down upon so she never got to like experience that and she was she could have been an actress you know she was amazing and um I, i mean she raised me so i grew up with with that you know she would like coach me to give this like <laughs> Winnie the Pooh monologue in first oh. grade <laughs> we'd watch like soap operas until dawn oh my god that lady could watch tv <laughs> it was so yeah it's it's funny that saying about like uh nothing affects a child more than their parents unfulfilled dreams oh yeah I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> You, 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 I think you, you must have experienced that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I mean, it's funny because I like, like, I love space, and that's my dad's side, right? Right. <laughs> and then it's like I'm an actor. You know, I love acting, and that's my mom's side. Yes. <laughs> do you, do you feel, do you feel a connection to your Asian culture? Do you feel like like any part of that being your voice? Um. That's, yeah, it's funny because like, I mean, I, I, I mean, ask me something more specific around that. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. answer it. I want to talk about that. That's really sure. interesting. Okay. So for example, when you visit Taiwan now that you don't live there, but you were as a child, do you feel connected to the land and the soil? Do you feel that like an energy 
Oh, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> no let me tell In fact, like I went to China on like this backpacking trip because right after my near-death experience, I just started traveling. I didn't even care. I would have no money. I'd be like, I don't care. Whatever. Let me like go, go see the world, right? <laughs> so on one of the, these trips, I really wanted to get to Tibet and uh, I had to go through China to get there. And, and they would look at me and it was really obvious because I was born in the States. Mm-hmm. Like I... So I just didn't have the mannerisms of like a born and bred like Chinese person in China would, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were like, where are you from? Are you like Japanese, Korean? And I got like ripped off. It was like pretty awful. <laughs> and uh, and so, um, you know, uh, that was the one thing that like, you know, I have to say Taiwan was really different. I was shocked. It was so great because I, I went back to visit my dad, you know, before the pandemic and they were like really good about like they like looked at me and they just knew because there were so many overseas like their kids had been been born overseas they knew like what they were looking at when they encountered me (laughs) and they were just I felt very loved and accepted I was Mm. like oh this is so cool yeah no one's gonna try to rip me off (laughs) you know it was like oh yeah they know who like they call it ABC with American born Chinese Mm -hmm. yeah so so because you okay, so you don't really feel that connection. So um, I I wouldn't say I don't feel I love it, like, but <laughs> yeah. I love it the way that like anybody with like like an interest in in that culture would love it. Like my like I love like the Last Emperor, but it's through their lenses of like what Bernardo Bertolucci, right? But to yeah. me, that's like stunning what he did, right? With like okay. the and and even like I found out like this this trip back because you know part of the my family's divorce was that like I was just kind of like ousted. I didn't get to understand much about about my uh history and you know my aunt was telling me um like this whole side I didn't even know what my grandma and grandpa's names were you know let I would mm. live along but I knew there was like a lot of fabled history behind these families and so she you know she started to tell me like I found out I'm I'm related I'm like one of the descendants way way down like 39 generations down something like that of one of the um emperor's prime ministers and he's this like very cool like figure um in china and a poet and philosopher and strategist and you know and that sounds that sounds like you (laughs) (laughs) in a lot in a lot of ways like very strategic and in game playing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i guess so right i guess and and then i'm like oh that's where i get it from (laughs) (laughs) it's so cool It was really cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, and that was cool because we found, like, he would use his, like, gifts for good. You know, he cared about, like, like, you, you could read about all of the philanthropy he did, you know, during his time as prime minister. And I loved that. I was, I just loved, I loved reading about that. And I felt a kinship to that. So. Yeah. Kind of, like, moving culture forward in a way. Yeah. Which he is, cared, he, yeah. Yeah. Like, if, his name was Fan Zhongyan. And to him, it was important for public servants to serve, Um, you know, to serve like it was important for public servants to actually fulfill their duties for their country and think about what they could do. Like he, you know, transformed, I think, the educational system out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And he was he was famed for saying things like, you know, one should make sure other people's good is taken care of and partake in their own good last so it was really interesting like Hmm. his philosophy around that you know it was (laughs) it was uh I I uh that's something that I could really like 
ascribe to, you know, and that's where I was raised with a lot of like, you got to keep your word, you got to be a good person, you got to be respectable, you know, don't do like shady things. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, I won't comment too much on this last administration that just passed, but there was such a sense of like, oh, you know, this is the antithesis of what it means to be in such a position of power where you can do so much good for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know you were excited about some of the space things that they were doing, though. I was. I was. That part I was yeah. really excited about. So, yeah. so what is it about space that you feel so connected to? Oh, from a very young age, I was just fascinated and curious that there could be an, an like unbelievable, almost unlimited expanse of something above our heads that we haven't even begun to think about. I mean, I mean, and, and you got to remember, my mom and dad both worked in aerospace. Like, my granduncle is, you know, a rocket design consultant, at, you know, wow. in aerospace. Yeah. So, so I grew up watching rockets. My mom went to work, you know, at an aerospace company, Rockwell, and my dad, you know, was an engineer. And so, to me. Like it was, it was an obvious next frontier, next step for humanity. It just made so much sense. You know, it, it, you, you had to think about once you leave this planet, the kind of like trivial kind of like things that we do here on earth, the, the wars, so to speak, they don't make any more sense. You know, it's <laughs> like, who really cares? Like we come from the same planet, you know, and globe. Mm-hmm. We should, we should look at it as one right. that we can take care of together. And there's so many more worlds to explore. Like it is, it is absolutely going to happen. We are absolutely going to colonize um, first. You know, whether the moon or Mars, our solar system, we are absolutely going to move off planet, and and we're witnessing the birth of this new type of society in our generation. Mm-hmm. I read I read the statistic the other day. It was fascinating, and it said since. Oh, I don't remember the year right now. Was it, uh, it was maybe like 2009, 2007, I don't know. Anyways, since that year, it's the first time in history that there's been always been a human off planet, like living in the ISS or something. So we, we're like literally making the leap right now <laughs> to oh. becoming a spacefaring yeah, civilization. Goodness. I would say that you're also making a leap in the industry by being in the show that you are doing with on the spectrum oh yeah um, just like representing autism and asian culture together yeah you don't see asian people with stuff because asian people hide that you know it's mm-hmm. like really like that was the thing like my mom was like oh my god my kid <laughs> is <laughs> something and that's like the worst thing that could happen to you right as an asian person in that culture is you know like it's kind of like an embarrassment or something like a point of shame for the family so is so there's just kind of like no commenting around especially like it's kind of like humorous now that you think about it because chinese culture is so like they they care about like public personas right like how are you perceived in the public eye (laughs) um (laughs) like it was really important to have your social graces your manners you know be somebody that like people like respected and and here here comes along this like little Aspie kid and we're just like brutally on- we're like honest, you know, we'll be like, that guy's just farted. You know? <laughs> like, we'll just call like, like, you just say what it is. And it was like, my, 
<laughs> it's actually really humorous now that I think about it because my mom would be like, oh my god, my kid <laughs> is so different. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she didn't, I don't think she knew. I, th- I, I think she was thoroughly, I think she was trying to protect me. You know, I was bullied yeah. a lot and I think she was just trying to protect me because she knew growing up I wouldn't fare very well. <laughs> if, yeah. Uh, yeah. If I didn't hide my peculiar peculiarities. Yeah. yeah, when did you learn to embrace uh, that oh. in yourself? Oh, I just, you know, I hit an age where, like, you know, I don't, I stopped. I'd made a decision, a conscious choice not to drink anymore, not to do drugs, like not smoking weed, whatever, all of it, right? I don't put any kind of mind-altering substances in me. Um, and it was this choice of sobriety that really kind of allowed me to pause the outside world mm-hmm. and to start to dive in and look at why am I the way the way I am right like right. what is going on and then things were just I think that's when my like healing and growth process really started because I was giving myself a chance to feel the emotions and the pains that you know like I was running from my whole life mm-hmm. and I just I just couldn't anymore I'm like this is weird I uh I keep trying to fit in and be somebody that I'm not. I'm never going to be this, like this person. I'm never going to be that. And there, there just came like an acceptance, right? Of like, well, who am then? Who am I? Let me really find out what is going on. Who am I really? And why, why am I the way I am? And mm-hmm. I got to learn to love that. I have to learn to unconditionally accept and love myself because it, it, it hasn't changed, and it's not going to change. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well, it seems to work for you um, so far. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever feel like even after that, do you ever feel that you fall away from your true authentic self? And if you do, do you have a way to get back on track? Yeah, it's a lot. It's like it's a lot harder for me to like fall away from that today just because I have very strong kind of spiritual practices I put in place that just keep me grounded. You know, Mm -hmm. I check in with like mentors that are important if I'm not sure about, you know, like I have a good strong fellowship and community of -hmm. people that are all striving to live, you know, their most like happy, joyous and free life. Right. And within like, that's the one thing about my autism was I would just like, I was like a sponge. I would just become whoever I was hanging around. I would literally, I would like take on their mannerisms, the way they speak, like their facial expressions. <laughs> I would become like them, right? I was a chameleon effect of, of a girl on the spectrum. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very classical trait of that. And so now that I'm in a community of like people who are like striving to be the best person they could be and do good in the world and abide by, you know, unconditional love. It, it's it's very different and it's very healing and it's very like much closer to home from you know like the story that I told in the beginning of that little kid that was like why'd you do that don't forget yeah. who you are <laughs> yeah. yeah it's safe for me to be that person in you know in this community it's very safe yeah awesome <sighs> yeah. so so I, I usually wrap up the conversation with this question uh-huh. uh, if you're inner authentic voice had a billboard what would it say to the world oh i like that um i think it would be something along the lines of like 
be free, enjoy yourselves, explore and play. Mm-hmm. There is no, there is no wrong path or wrong choice you can make. You yeah. know, don't waste your life doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> don't be so serious. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Oh my God, that was one of the exact phrases that I took back from my near-death experience. I had taken life way too seriously at 18 years old. And it was like, don't take it. It's not that serious. Don't worry. <laughs> I still remember that. Yeah. Ah, it's great. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me on this. Winnie, it was amazing. It was so great to see you again. I, yeah. We missed you over here. <laughs> we missed you. I'm glad you're well. Yeah. So if, if people would like to find you and your work... Uh, is there somewhere that we can direct them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have all the um, I have the social medias. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm starting to really engage there. It's quite enjoyable. <laughs> um, uh, and then you know, Instagram, and I have a website and all that. But it'll it'll be easy to track me down. Yeah, I'll put some links so in in the show notes <laughs> so people can just click on it. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.